0: Welcome to Bunta Vista, episode seventy-four. Uh, I am Andrew. I'm here with Theo.
1: Hey. <laughs> Beautiful, <laughs> nervous Theo. Thank you.
2: Oh, this is me Theo. being as normal as I can. Oh,
1: I love how uh, weird con- this is, and <laughs> we're only fifteen
0: seconds in. <laughs> we got that real nervous energy.
2: Yeah. About People, chicks, chicks dig the nervous energy. <laughs> Hell yeah. Big nervous Uh, dick energy. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Calling in all the way from Hawaii, and boy are her arms tired. It's Lucy.
3: I don't know if that joke works, but g'day. Well. Why are my arms tired from calling?
0: Moving on. (laughs) Finally. Hey, we have a guest. We have a guest all the way from across the pond. Please don't ask me which pond like last time. More into than an one part. Impromptu, impromptu geography lesson that I was not comfortable with at all. <laughs> thanks to the Australian public school system, uh, we are joined by Milo Edwards from Trash Future.
1: Hi, it's me. Hello. Good. Good morning, everyone. Um, I always I I feel I feel very formal just by virtue of my own voice on an Australian podcast. (laughs) I kind of um, hello.
2: such a Um, soothing kind of self versus our horrible racist voices.
1: Fucking g'day. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's not even that. I actually really like the Australian accent. And so and I instinctively talk like whoever I'm talking to. So by the end of this, I could be doing like a really embarrassing kind of generic Australian accent. We'll see where Just it takes slowly, us. Please slowly do. easing into it like a hot bath. Oh, it happens. Like, I I I've got a good friend who's an Aussie comedian, uh, Aidan Jones, who's like a Melbourne guy, and he has such a strong Australian accent to the point of like parody that um, by the by the end of talking to him, I do have this weird like whatever the Australian equivalent of mid Atlantic is, um, a slightly. <laughs> I'm elongating my vowels by the end of a conversation with him.
0: I've um I've realised uh, relatively recently that like I. I really, really do that mirroring thing, of the, but like, body language-wise. Oh yeah. yeah. Ooh, and like, I'm just very conscious of it now. Anytime that I'm in, like, a meeting with anybody at work, I'm just like, oh, however you're sitting, I happen to be sitting mm-hmm. exactly like that. I see a guy jacking off on the train. Just mm. like, uh, look, I want to make him more comfortable. I want to put him at ease.
1: <laughs> That's, That's how the Nuremberg rally has happened <laughs> <laughs> It was just one guy pointing out Going what's that up there And then suddenly
2: Well I've got to support my mate So he's, he's gone He's going to be there, there <laughs> So um, we, we have asked
0: Milo to join us To cover a topic that we have never really covered before Due to our, our limited amount of brain space huge And ideas. function mm. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: uh, Which is uh, Which is Brexit now, Lucy and I were briefly talking about this before the show and I was saying, I feel like Brexit is a thing that it was sort of happening um, uh, in, a, in a similar time frame to like Donald Trump being about to be elected mm-hmm. uh, or around that sort of time. Yeah. And I don't know if my brain just said, look, I've only got room to deal with one of these things mm-hmm. and it's, it's the one that's more likely to involve like nuclear fallout probably mm-hmm. Uh, so apparently, my brain just said, "Look, I'm going to take in the bare amount of Donald Trump stuff, because that immediately became overwhelming as well, um, and it just kind of parked the whole Brexit thing." We've all just shut
2: down at this point,
3: pretty
0: much. Hmm.
3: No room. I've got nothing no room for in or out. New in there.
1: No, I have no room for Brexit, and I'm living in the middle of it. It's. Hmm. <laughs> It's actually worse than Trump because, like, Trump is at least entertaining. Like, it's this kind of hilarious, like, uh, post-Mad Max type how everything is on fire. Whereas Brexit is more just like this incredibly British, like, the ship is slowly sinking and everyone's, like, trying to play the violin. <laughs> 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 Just a whole,
2: a whole nation of the captain from Titanic <laughs> is Standing basically bravely that. on the boat
1: We might not even be the captain from Titanic We might be the captain from uh, GoldenEye Who's getting suffocated by a woman's thighs That seems, <laughs> <laughs> that seems more appropriate Look,
0: so we, we barely know anything about it uh, As far as I know, Brexit is a portmanteau Referring to putting uh, breast milk on your wheat bix
1: <laughs> exactly yes that's,
0: that's about, I'm, it's about it's about I'm pleased I'm to see
1: you're so well informed
0: <laughs> I did a little research, did a little research before the show Just been looking started into googling it. what I thought it might be about mm. got mm. into a hole hold di- it. we don't need to get into it
1: well, well, to be honest uh, go- at some point breast milk might be the only milk you have access to if brexit goes the way it's currently going <laughs> 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 so
0: so take us through if you will um I mean obviously the the origins of brexit so who, who kicked all this off
1: oh well so i thought i thought what i would do is i would uh, as a way as a way into understanding the psychology behind brexit I would, oh, yes. I would i would start with a with an australian news story that i really enjoyed this week so i'd like to join the australian nation in mourning the loss of uh, the the correct formulation of the Bunning snag <laughs> um, because apparently you can't have the onions on top anymore you have to have them underneath because it's safer
3: disgusting Disgusting. I know. Disgusting.
1: And it's rightfully tearing your nation apart. Mm. Um, and, and that's what Brexit's about, right? So the EU wants you to have the onions underneath the sausage. And it's a whole nation of dads saying, no, we want the onions on top of the sausage. And God damn the consequences. Um, right. I, I, <laughs> demand,
0: I demand my sausage with national character, they say, as they slip
1: <laughs> and brain themselves
0: on the pavement.
1: And people are saying things like, yeah, but if you have the onions on top of the sausage, you know, like it could cause huge... Economic and political problems, and they're saying, "Yeah, but I like it that way." <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, even though it just tastes the same, you know, tastes the same. Yeah. Um, yep. So yeah, basically, uh, who who is responsible for Brexit? To answer your question, so if you cast your minds back to twenty twenty fifteen, we had an election, one of them elections, and David Cameron, keen to distract from the fact that he had sex with a pig, um, mm-hmm. decided to put in a big who ticket item. Us? <laughs> No, no, I know. Yeah. <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been there at the pig stage in our lives. Yeah, he decides that he, uh, you know, he's gonna he's gonna distract from that, and he's gonna uh, throw a bone, uh, metaphorically speaking, to the the right wing of his own party and also to UKIP, who are like the British equivalent of uh, I'm sure many Australian parties. Um, in say they just, one nation, one nation. They're one absolutely. Nation, yeah. The yeah, they like they like saying racist things and um yeah so he, he's like we're gonna have a referendum on whether or not we're gonna leave the eu but david cameron is like in his own head obviously no one's leaving the eu the british people won't vote brexit and at no point did he have his like gr- greek tragedy hubris moment being visited by three different gods or whatever um and so then then the eventual referendum happens and uh and bi- like a bizarre host of people came out to campaign for the leave the eu side uh including Including bizarrely the guy who owns the Weatherspoons chain of pubs, uh, which is like the cheapest place you can get drunk in the UK. There's like one in every (laughs) town. (laughs) And that guy was like, hell, when Brexit goes through, everyone's going to be an alcoholic. So this is going to be great. Um, (laughs) And James Dyson, the vacuum cleaner guy. uh, he He was my favorite. I
2: knew there was a reason for me not to like Dyson- Vacuum cleaners, apart from the fact that I can't afford them and anyone who can is just some bourgeois. uh, They really suck. Mm.
3: Um,
1: Yeah, so he he came out and said, yeah, Brexit's going to be great because it'll be like a return to British manufacturing. And then as soon as it went through, he moved like all of his factories (laughs) to Singapore. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah it it does very
0: much have like the donald trump air in that sense doesn't it of of just saying like ah do you wish that um everything would just be magically transported back to a time when we were on top of the world <laughs> also like and with with absolutely no way of drawing a line from one thing to the other but just going hey it'll just it'll just happen it'll just happen don't yeah. you wish you had a a job like manufacturing t-shirts in britain (laughs) that's a dream
1: we all that's, that's basically what brexit is it's like people not wanting a sort of independent britain but they just want what britain was in like 1905 and no one has told them that that's not possible Um, because like what they don't realize when they, when they think of independent, they think of like, but like fucking rule Britannia with like a Navy that's going around the world, like stealing people's spices. And what they don't realize was that independence in this context means more like becoming a sort of just like more acceptable North Korea. Like, it's not like (laughs) you're not going to be this new economic powerhouse. You're just going to be like shit. And no one likes you that's uh, like the basic vibe um so yeah they're trying to go back to this weird like fantasy of sort of the britain the britain of old um and this all came about because of like years of just people in british politics who really hate the eu for some reason um uh, particularly on the basis that it's like it, they're making all of our laws this is like a huge thing like they are the, oh, the eu making all of our laws which is like true to an extent but Also, a lot of the laws that the EU makes are just very normal. Like, oh, you know, you you probably shouldn't make people climb a 100-foot-high rickety ladder at work without some kind of safety precaution and people are like it's our freedom it's our right to climb those ladders we've
2: been dying on these ladders for centuries and we're not gonna stop now
1: <laughs> tradition i make people morris dance on very slippery my, floors
2: my granddad died on a ladder his granddad died on a <laughs> ladder my, <laughs> my, my god
0: i'll gr- die on a ladder my my ancestors fell off ladders on the side of a castle wall <laughs> And I'm not going to give up that right.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, the EU has ma- been a massive blow to the, the siege weapons industry, uh, as they made almost all of them illegal. Uh, there's no no trebuchets here. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, so ba- and then and then the other thing, of course, is immigration. Because basically, if you're if you're from any country of the EU and you have therefore an EU passport, you can come and live and work in Britain. Uh, and this is something that has negatively affected zero people's lives, uh, but. <laughs> Uh, A bunch of people are convinced that it's like the end of days and that we're being overrun by the sort of Mongol hordes. um, And that's, you know, that's how Britain's going to end. And the weird thing is that actually all of the people, as far as I can tell, that voted for Brexit on immigration grounds, um, the people, the immigrants that they don't like aren't from the EU. So even on their <laughs> own terms, it doesn't work because like the immig- the immigrants that everyone like loves to hate in the UK are the Pakistani immigrants uh, and slash the Bengali immigrants, i.e. like Muslim immigrants, because that's the one that really gets people's, mm. that's Ooh. the one that gets your dad's blood boiling. Um, those and,
0: typical europeans yeah. i know
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> from, that, from that famous part of europe the bay of bengal um yeah. and yeah what they don't realize is a those people are not from the eu b almost all of those people have british citizenship or indefinite leave to remain this so you, you literally can't kick them out like so even on your own like weird ethno state terms it just doesn't work <laughs> um but you know uh if only if only racists would do the math it would be great um but yeah i think so basically just like people in the uk were like very disaffected by like all kinds of all kinds of shit and then uh, a bunch of people came along and were like hey what if we do this thing and then everything will be great um oh i should probably talk about the bus so there was a bus okay Oh, Uh, i remember the nhs bus bus. yeah yeah
3: the bus yeah
1: it was a massive red bus, and they wrote, if we leave the EU, we'll have £350 million pounds a week to spend on the NHS. Now, people weren't suspicious of this, even though this bus was being stood next to by people who had campaigned on the basis of putting less money into the NHS for years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no one was like, why would these people? <laughs> um, and, uh, and, yeah, and, of course, £350 million a week is the sum of money that Britain pays every week to the EU like uh, but what they don't realize is that obviously like money can be exchanged for goods and services like we do <laughs> <laughs> we do get things for that money it's not like um so basically with uh, we ba- we make money out of the eu we don't lose money on the eu but they but these people are like but we spend money on it and it's like yeah it's like spending money it's like trying to save money on train tickets to work And it's like, well, you will save money on the train tickets, but you'll lose money on like all of the money you won't make because you didn't go to work. Um, But that's that's the strategy we're currently working on in the UK. That's sort of like the (laughs) the general the general objective. Um, But now we're like we're coming close to a deal. Um, God only knows what that what that deal exactly is going to be. It doesn't sound like it's going great, the negotiations. Uh, No,
2: because well, it's almost it, like they've got all of the leverage, and you guys have jack shit, but you're pretending like that's not the case, even though everyone can clearly see that you're actually like holding your cards the wrong way around so that everyone can see your cards and you can just see the back of the cards.
1: <laughs> We're well, like reading a book upside down, it's yeah, it's gotten to that point. Well, so you're like
2: just stroking your chin very thoughtfully,
1: yes. Um, I think saying that we have no leverage is perhaps even giving Theresa May too much credit because the UK, like, (laughs) we do have leverage. She's just, like, choosing not to use it and choosing to go about this sort of bizarre strategy that doesn't work. So essentially, like, our strategy from the outset seems to have been let's uh, set out a number of demands that are completely unreasonable and then just insist that we won't make a deal until those demands are met and then the EU's been saying like well we can't meet those demands that would literally be against the laws of the EU to meet those demands so we can't it's it's called negging dude (laughs) 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 Uh,
0: yeah yeah the whole thing is like um, if I go for a job interview and ask for a million dollars a year they My have salary. to be like,
2: mm. why not four hundred thousand? Like, yeah, and then I'll it's be like, strategy.
0: oh, I guess I could come down to four hundred thousand. I say,
3: mm. damn, that's uh, like, genius. I am um, gonna try that out.
1: You're like, yeah, I, I guess that's a nice customs union for a whore.
0: Yeah, haven't they? <laughs> haven't they been doing the? Um, yeah, were, were they basically going in with demands like, ah, um, uh, well, we we want to have um, unchecked access to be able to move to whatever country in the EU we want. But we want uh, everybody else from the EU to not be able to move to our country. And they're I... like, no. <laughs>
1: um it's yeah it's been a bit like that one of the things has been so kind of the, the biggest issue with the EU uh, in terms of like what happens now is the single market because the single market is where all of the economic shit happens so the single market is basically like encompasses a customs union of all the countries in the EU so if you import something to one EU country uh, you can then take it to any EU country without further like customs controls whatever there's like a unified customs tariffs and stuff and you can trade goods freely within the EU and labor moves freely within the EU. So anyone who lives in one EU country can go and live and work in another EU country. And the UK already has some like weird exceptions from that. Like if so, for example, if I had a visa, if I was say from uh, let's say Australia, and I had a visa to go and work in Germany, I could also go and work in France, but I couldn't come and work in the UK. I'd have to be like a German or French citizen to do that. Um, So we already have an exception from kind of some of that stuff. Um, but anyway, so the, basically what they were saying is we want to stay in the single market, but we don't want to have the freedom of movement thing, like the fact that people can move between countries. But that's like one of the foundational principles of the single market. So understandably, the EU was like, no, <laughs> because that is mm. what the single market is. And then Britain was like, but what if yes? <laughs> what if <laughs> what if you just went away and then said yes? <laughs> um, yes? What
0: if we got the parts that we wanted? And I know. hear me out. <laughs> hear me out but you guys just go along with whatever we like
1: yeah what if we just forget about the foundational principles of it and just do the thing that I just said um yeah and so where this gets really really spicy is the Irish border um Because uh, so the other week we actually talked about this on Trash Future and we decided that to really understand the Irish border issue, you have to go back to like 500 AD. Um, So I'm going to try and give you like a potted version, uh, (laughs) uh, which is basically that a few hundred years ago, Britain invaded Ireland uh, and we fucked a lot of shit up there. Uh, uh, but one of the resultant things of this is that there are like a large group of people who live predominantly in Northern Ireland who are Protestant uh, as opposed to the rest of Ireland where people are predominantly Catholic and uh, these people kind of wanted to be part of the UK when Ireland became independent because uh, they were worried that you know the catholics would oppress them or whatever i don't know how founded those concerns were but what whatever um so they became part of the uk but then there was like a massive sectarian insurgency in northern ireland from the catholic people who lived there known as the ira um and there were similar paramilitary groups on the other side and basically there was this whole thing called the troubles where people in northern ireland were like fucking murdering each other for a long time and also like occasionally blowing things up on the mainland uh, and then in 1997, there was a thing called the Good Friday Agreement, which uh, basically put an end to it. And one of the things was that there would never be a hard border between Southern and Northern Ireland. So like, if you were living in Northern Ireland, but you regarded yourself as like Irish rather than British, you could freely go to Southern Ireland just by driving there whenever you want, without this being like an issue where you have to cross a border or whatever. Oh. Um, and that had always been possible because Britain and Ireland had always had kind of a union of sorts, um, either because of imperialism or because latterly of a kind of, like, agreement. Um, and then it, that was then superseded by the EU. They were both in the customs union the single market, so there was no need to have a border. Um, but now, because Ireland, the country of Ireland, is going to stay in the EU and Britain is notionally going to leave the EU, of which Northern Ireland oh. being part of Britain, uh, there will now have to be a hard border <laughs> between um and uh, basically, if we stayed in the single market, if we did like a Norway type deal, then uh, we could not have a border because we would be signing up to enough rules to allow the Customs Union and whatever to continue. But um, we're what we're looking at is not doing that. And so essentially the British negotiating position has been like, well, we're going to leave the single market in the Customs Union, but we're also not going to have a hard border in Ireland. And... That there's literally no way of doing that. It's it's like saying, well, I'm gonna go to work, but I'm also gonna stay at home. It just doesn't it just doesn't make any sense. It's like it's no, like it's literally against international law to do that. This it's not it's not legally possible.
0: So is the is the single market part where the um hard Brexit versus soft Brexit thing comes in? Is that what that's referring yeah. to?
1: Oh yeah, rock hard Brexit, a throbbing oh. Brexit. Oh boy, um, nobody likes yeah, a so- soft
0: Brexit. Come on.
1: No, absolutely not. So yeah, soft Brexit is basically the idea of like, okay, you leave the EU, um, but you keep most of the kind of day to day uh, bureaucratic factors of being in the EU. So you stay in like the trading group and the customs union. And basically, if you do what they call soft Brexit, not much changes you regain some kind of uh, self-determination over certain issues, but you also still have to sign up to a lot of EU law because you want to stay in these big EU programs like the Single Market and the Customs Union. Hmm. However, it's also the only like sane version of Brexit because hard Brexit where you just say, no, fuck this, we're not doing this.
0: We are uh, now an isolationist entirely. little country. Yeah.
1: Uh, yeah, just basically just just fucks the economy. Um, And maybe you'll sort it out in the long term, but there's going to be like 10 years of just like everything is on fire, Mad Max, Fury Road type. Like there's queues of lorries trying to get in and out of the country because of all the customs checks that we've never had to do before. Um, uh, Yeah, and that is is more the vision that uh, the Tories are envisioning at the moment. Um, But because they're doing this weird thing where they're like, oh, we kind of... They want things from a soft Brexit, but then they're quibbling over, like, weird things about the, I don't know, like, because they'll say things like, oh, you know, well, what if uh, we did? We had the single market, but we, like, limited the number of Europeans who could come to the UK. And it's like, well, you, you can't do that. But then also, like, you wouldn't be able to limit it that much anyway. So it's like they're just like these weird talking points that kind of cause huge problems, but no one really cares about. <laughs> I, I um,
0: assume that the general sort of position on a soft Brexit is, uh, if that's what you are going to do, then why bother doing it at all? Why not just stay in the EU? Mm. Y-
1: yeah, I mean, a question, a question we could all ask: Yes, <laughs> um,
0: why are we doing this?
1: I think basically uh, the, the whole the problem is that we had this referendum, right? We should never have had a referendum. Having a referendum was a very bad idea because then you have to do what they say, right? Um, and no one really ever considered because our politicians are fucking dumbasses who fuck pigs. No one ever considered the possibility that this was going to happen. <laughs> Which is generally um, like, and- if,
0: yeah, if you absolutely <laughs> don't want a particular answer to a question, maybe don't ask the question.
1: Maybe yeah if you don't want to know don't ask Hmm. um and uh, yeah so essentially now we're in the situation where i mean that referendum was badly run in the sense that uh, it normally to have like a big constitutional change like this, you'd have like a, a minimum amount of people would have to vote for it. Like, so you'd have like a 60% threshold or something, um, which they didn't do because they were like, oh, it's an advisory referendum. We don't have to abide by the consequences. But again, that's really dumb because obviously no one cares whether it's advisory or not. If you have the referendum and then you say, oh, well, technically it was advisory, so we don't have to do it, like, it, things people are going to lose their fucking minds, right? So. Yeah. They basically fucked themselves over. Um, and now they're in this situation where they, well, they kind of, they have to do Brexit because otherwise it's like political suicide, right? Like no one can just have a referendum and then be like, eh, well, we don't like that. <laughs> um, but equally, they do have this great option to do like not much of a Brexit and they can still say we did Brexit. Um, and because the thing is I think the people who voted Leave are going to be disappointed anyway because no one's getting deported in any scenario like no one like nothing th- nothing good is going to come of either version of Brexit you either get just a version of Brexit which is like less bad and a lot of things stay the same or you get like the kind of hell world strap in Brexit and no one knows what the fuck is going on but still no one gets what they were promised by the Leave campaign yeah uh, the, which the is, country
0: doesn't yeah. magically become the 40s again Again, um,
1: <laughs> like yeah, pe- The pe- big bopper is brought back to life. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. So you won't magically get back the job that you had thirty years ago, and all that kind of shit.
3: Would yeah. that really be that good?
0: Yeah, that's- I feel
3: like every time I see a period drama about England, it's it's no good. You know,
0: <laughs> no, early
3: people- 1900s England, mm, oh, it's not pleasant. I'll
0: then explain why everybody's so horny for Colin Firth. When he's with Mr.
3: (laughs) Darcy, eh? You got me there with Mr. Darcy.
1: Everyone's wearing a brown suit and having tea and cake with the vicar. That's it. And occasionally hanging, you know, uh, like mentally disabled people who were just at the scene of a crime. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> that, back to the good old days, yeah I know back to the good old days um yeah, it's actually weird, like how the death penalty came to end in Britain, like because there were two really controversial cases, one of which was like what I just described. there was like a, a boy who, at the time was described as being like feeble minded who was like an accomplice to a crime in which a policeman was murdered, <sighs> and the other guy was too young, so they hung him for it, even though he demonstrably did not kill this policeman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of started getting people thinking. hmm, Maybe this is bad. But one of the cases they often cite is one of uh, Ruth Ellis, who was the last woman to be killed. Uh, and she did. She did actually murder the person. Like no one. She pleaded guilty. Like no one disputed the facts of the case. But people just felt sorry for her. Cause she was a woman, um, which is like a weird part of British psychology that we still feel more sorry for someone. But well, she was rather pretty. <laughs> not, uh, not very gentlemanly to hang a lady. Where is that feeble-minded boy? I mean, it does give me the willies. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you shouldn't hang anyone, but I just always find it weird that that's the case. People cite more often rather than the one that's actually like a gross miscarriage of justice. Um, there you go, Britain. Uh, very normal. Hmm. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, so basically, yeah, the main, the main like takeaway from Brexit is that everyone's lost their minds. Yeah. Um, hmm. So uh, like you everywhere. actually. Yeah, <laughs> you actually put me onto this. But the Spice Girls are like tr- supporting Theresa May in uh, her Brexit campaign. It. So it
0: turns out the Spice Girls are massive Tories. Therefore, feminism is bad. Sorry, everybody. Oh no, feminism women are cancelled. <laughs> remember, canceled. remember when the Spice Girls invented feminism back in they the nineties? Sure they sure did. They <laughs> sure
1: did. Madness. I watched. No, it, was, the, it was the first time.
0: I watched the movie uh, recently for the first time the spice since Spice Girl's the, movie the Spice World The Spice Have we Girls discussed movie this before? I don't know but um I I watched it again recently for the first time since I'm pretty sure I saw it like in the cinema in 1998 Right because I just used to go to the movies and watch literally every movie that played I would anything I feminist that was on it. Oh oh well, <laughs> I I know I don't need to justify um but Yeah I watched it recently and was like this is some wildly incoherent shit it was it was very much like a, akin to like a, a Beatles hard days night kind of movie where they just kind yeah, of turn is. up in a scene and a thing happens and then they go oh, and just run off to another place and then something else happens and it's all completely unrelated uh, pretty sure Sounds Richard, e, Richard right. e. Grant was in it though so that was good but
1: yeah it's like watching the news now
0: yeah yeah, basically nothing really? relates to anything else.
1: No. Um yeah, but yeah, the Spice Girls went on some like uh daytime TV show and somehow Brexit came up and they started saying like Theresa's doing her best, <laughs> just doing oh, a bit, oh.
0: giving it a red hot go. Yeah,
1: which is not really good enough, is it? It's not really like if you if you say you're doing your best, you're probably not doing it very well in my mm. experience. That's not what you want to hear, is it, from someone who's like just performed surgery on you? <laughs> I did my did best. My best. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's not that's not going brilliantly. And uh, and there's all like the the like the so like the people the Brexit people kind of lost their minds a long time ago, but in the last year all the remain people have also lost their minds. Um and they're, they're like in kind of weird denial about the actual political reality that we live in. Um, and so they're just like, just stop, just stop Brexit. Why don't we just cancel Brexit? And it's like, well, you can't really do that because it would probably have grave political consequences. And they're like, but why not? I like going to France. Um, Brexit is cancelled. that's kind canceled. of their position. Okay. Exactly. The cancelled and they 're being led by a c grayling uh, who 's an Oxford philosophy professor uh, who uh, looks a bit like a kind of like eighteenth century dandy um, and uh, he has a he has a haircut that 's like it 's a bit like what leibniz 's haircut was like it 's like a similar kind of a like gray shoulder length uh, but parted in the center sort of Oof. like Yeah, something cross between kind of Leibniz and Louis Couture's kind of haircut. I'm looking at him now. He
3: sounds cool. Mm. I like him. I like him already.
1: He
0: very much has an air of philosophy professor. Mm.
1: (laughs) And he is the head of the FBPE Twitter mob people who are like all the crazy pro-Brexit people whose bios all say things like, uh, father of two gin enthusiast watch the rugby on Sundays, (laughs) Uh, you know, like that kind of thing um and they recently had this they keep they keep going on like marches for like a second referendum which is you know i guess that's fine that's just protest isn't it um and the a second referendum is like eh, well um it could we could just lose it again <laughs> that <Yep>. might happen <laughs> did we learn nothing from the previous referendum um, well, it,
0: but then like what what would be what would be to stop like all the people who want brexit from then doing their own protest every week and saying do the referendum again like after that you know it, that, it's it's yeah. not it doesn't seem like a <laughs> recipe for kind of tying a neat bow on it or anything
1: no i mean i do think that most of the brexit people are too old to leave the house so it probably <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> there might be you know there might be a problem with that but yeah i mean that i think this is like this is potentially opening a huge can of worms in terms of like we could easily lose this there are plenty of people in the uk with a fuck ton of money who want brexit to happen for like their own nefarious reasons who'll be more than prepared to put that money into making it happen um but yeah they recently had this protest where they all the FPP people like took their dogs to parliament square To protest in favour Of a second referendum And they called this The wooferendum Fucking
0: hell Oh boy It's not even clever It's not <laughs> even no. a good pun
1: <laughs> And these are the people Like I I agree with these people That Brexit is bad Like these are the people That I'm supposed to be like Yeah these are my guys And I'm just looking at them like Jesus wanked Like there is no <laughs> For so it start It really
3: be like rougher, Yes Right Ex- Exactly Clearly not. Very evident
1: Obviously Lucy, you need to be a consultant for AC Graydon. Yeah,
3: I'll give him a call.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just do dog puns. That's my thing. If you want to win, win this referendum, you need good dog puns.
0: It, um, it, it certainly seems like from all the evidence that basically, like, like you're saying, that nobody actually expected it to happen. And now that it's happening, the people who are supposed to be arguing in favor of it are just completely unprepared. Like I saw, I saw that clip doing the rounds the other day of um, of the guy who's playing some some central part in the negotiations, giving a speech in which he explained that he had recently discovered that apparently most of uh, England's food arrives by boat, <laughs> <laughs> and like uh, as though he was surprised that uh, a very small island with millions of people on it uh, is receiving some of its food from other places.
1: Crazy. I know. Why would that be happening? We're the greatest country on earth. Mm. Surely we're feeding ourselves purely on a diet of beets and um, parts of lamb.
0: All that. Homegrown beans. Get that scurvy. (laughs)
1: Oh, man, scurvy is a British tradition that the EU has been trying to take away from us for years. <laughs> <laughs> With their health and safety, eat vitamin C regulations. I want my scars to heave open due to a lack of vitamin C to hold them together. <laughs> I want to look like a sort of badly drawn zombie from an 80s movie.
3: That's your right. That's your right as an English citizen, you know?
1: Exactly. Oh, um, that, that and going to a hot country and turning bright red within a matter of hours. <laughs> That's the other key right.
0: So so in in your own sort of estimation is they're basically just kind of it's it's a foregone conclusion, but the only argument is how severe, how hard the crash will be.
1: Yeah, basically I've never really un- well because th- 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 the Tories have made a whole mess of it because they thought if they went on this like hard brexit route they would be able to like it- cement their own power within the UK, which is maybe true but like exceptionally short-sighted. Um, because it always seemed to me I mean as just a dumb, dumbass guy who's on a podcast. <laughs> uh that like the 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 obvious like there was such an easy option just to say okay we're doing brexit but we're doing this stay in the single market kind of brexit in which nothing really changes because that was actually what the leave campaign promised they said like oh we will stay in the single market so you can literally say we're not breaking any promises to people who voted leave but we're still doing a version of brexit which like doesn't fuck anything up but then they spent like a year and a half saying like no that's unacceptable we're going to do hard brexit and so now they can't really go back on that because they've been saying it for ages um, and so kind of I still think what's most likely is that we end up with a sort of like Norway-ish situation where we're like, it's basically like being in the EU, but we're not in the EU, um, which is sort of like kind of what I was just saying. But uh, the, I think the reason we're going to end up with that rather than because everyone just comes around to the idea that that's the best idea is rather because it will turn out that like any kind of actual hard Brexit proves to be completely impossible um because of stuff like the irish border and just logistics and like no one in there aren't enough people in britain who actually understand the eu like all the people who really understand like eu law and stuff don't work for the british government and so the british government has just routinely gone in and been like well i think we can sort this out and then the eu lawyers have gone no i don't think you can do that and they've been (laughs) like oh we probably should have
0: employed some european lawyers (laughs) probably should have asked a few of these questions before we did that referendum
1: Exactly. Yeah, they were like, "Why didn't the British people just read up on all of these documents that we didn't bother to read before they voted?"
0: So this brings me to another question, which is, um, what, given given like Theresa May's just constantly embattled state at this point, mm. um,
1: when she's not doing a sort of mortal combat character selection screen stance.
0: yep, or uh, one of a one of a great kind of um, marion- dance. marionette dancers, yep. Yeah. Oh, what a, what a dance. She, I
3: hate it. She, I <laughs> can't watch it. I hate it so much.
0: I did like that she came out of that conference and was then like, now I'm just going to dance for a while. Just go- I've yeah. already been mocked roundly for this by the entire world. Nothing. She's
3: trying to own it. She's taken it
1: back. <laughs> trying to own and I names. hate it.
0: But um, it does seem as though she is uh, just enormously unpopular. I mean, she managed to almost immediately lose government. Um, Mm. after she managed to almost immediately, you know, lose government and lose the... She she lost the majority, didn't she, in that election, Mm. called that snap election, and uh, Jezza almost won.
1: She called an election like, uh, checkmate Jezza, and then was like, oh, no, another grave miscalculation by Theresa. People like him. (laughs) So um, so I guess when... Oh, no, I probably shouldn't have called him a communist. Oh, no, I probably certainly shouldn't have called that election. Oh, it's hot today.
0: Well, um, so like, when when is the next election?
1: Uh, well, so in the in the UK, uh, that's not it's not certain. So we had an election in twenty seventeen. So that means that our next election has to happen like at some point in twenty twenty one. But it could happen earlier. Like, if you can get basically the the party that's in power can call an election whenever they want, as long as they can get a majority to approve it in Parliament. Um and I mean I'm sure they would, because it would be weird if the opposition voted against having an election. Um,
0: <laughs> oh no, you're too popular. Oh no. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. I mean theoretically that's that's not the sort of thing the Tories would do, like vote against having an election. That's like definitely a plausible strategy for them. But yeah, so um I mean Theresa could call an election at any point. Uh essentially if there's if Brexit actually gets to a point where uh the leading party has a deal which it seems to do and the no one will vote for it that might force an election because it will get to a point where it's like well we're not going to do anything different and if no one will agree to what we have to do then basically we have to have an election so that that could happen um
0: what's what's that party that they're relying on for their to to get votes the d
1: the DUP the dp ah britain's britain's own version of the tea party yes um truly so the dup are the the northern irish uh far-right protestant party who are like ultra unionists um and uh and they believe that like uh abortion is murder and that like women should stay at home and do the cooking and like cool. they're, they're, yeah they're really they're really forward-thinking guys <laughs> And so, and basically, yeah, Theresa May is like beholden to them. So they're like, well, yeah, well, we'll vote for your Brexit plan. But we didn't like this stuff you said about, you know, not supporting uh, the burning witches at the stake. So we're going to ask you to row back on that. So <laughs> that's very so important to us.
0: Is there a possibility that before um, 2021 that that they could lose confidence from the dp and they could say oh we're not going to help you out with anything anymore and be forced to call an election before then
1: I, I mean it's possible i mean i think that so one of the weird issues is that the irish border is basically the only thing that could fuck up their relationship with the DUP because the DUP are just the tories but more so like the tories kind of believe oh, the everything Moris. the tories believe <laughs> yeah the <Moris. laughs> mm, they're just so delicious <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I mean essentially yeah, everything they believe is just like a more extreme version of what the Tories believe um, But it, they what, the one thing they really are careful about is the whole Irish border issue because that's something that could just like literally fuck their shit up so um, If if the Tories manage to come up with a version of Brexit that's really unsatisfactory on that issue That is I think essentially the only thing that could really lose them the DUP support um, but even if they do lose that support uh they could still have a minority government because the Tories have something like fifty-nine, per- sorry, forty-nine percent of the seats in Parliament, something like that. So they they pretty much have enough to govern as long as they can persuade a few rebel MPs from some other parties to vote for whatever they're voting for. Um, yeah.
0: So, so is there any kind of like um, actual deadline on Brexit, or is it more of a thing where like um, where the Tories are just? Losing, losing credibility and face and popularity by the day while, while it's just getting dragged out and they're getting hammered.
1: Well, so this is something that I, if the Tories were getting hammered, I think it would be much preferable <laughs> just getting just getting wasted on the Brexit negotiations. <laughs> um but yeah, it's one of those things where no one really knows to what extent there is a deadline because it's never happened before. Um so basically the the whole the EU Article 50 which is if you if a country decides to leave the EU was put in there kind of because you have to have a mechanism like that but not in the expectation that anyone would ever leave the eu because they kind of rightly assumed that leaving the eu be an insane idea um and so yeah but basically we're doing this and so the notional deadline is the 29th of march um Ah. (laughs) yeah but i don't know i don't think if there's not a satisfactory deal we won't want to leave on the 29th of March and the EU won't want us to leave either. So I suspect that could be kind of prolonged indefinitely. I don't think there's any legal necessity if both sides agree for us to leave on the 29th of March. But theoretically, the EU could be like, okay, bye on the 29th of March. (laughs) And if we haven't agreed a deal, then we're just fucked. Um, But I don't think they will do that. Probably not.
0: But it it seems like it's just going to keep doing damage to the Tories over time, doesn't it? I assume. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, they're quite good at they're quite good at spinning it um, in the sense that uh, they're oh, fuck. I've lost my train of thought. We're stuff. we're yeah, being tough.
0: At, we're being tough with <laughs> them.
1: God, I, yeah, yeah, exactly. They're they're kind of spinning it as like the EU wants us to fail, and they're managing to make it like this is why we have to leave the EU. See how they're not agreeing to our list of incoherent demands that are actually self contradictory. <laughs> But like you can sell that to the British public. It's, I mean, it has all the hallmarks of Trumpism. Like whatever they don't like, they say is like an EU conspiracy, and whatever they do like is like Theresa's a genius. That's kind of the the long and the short of it. Um, And the the one the part of the reason why they they have a lot of leeway on this is that like. I feel like Corbyn's not great on Brexit. Like, he's good on a lot of things, but it's, like, one of those things where I think he's, like, a long-term Eurosceptic and kind of always has been from a kind of, like, left-wing perspective. And so he is sort of notionally remain or, like, notionally kind of soft Brexit, but I think he harbours a a fantasy of a kind of, like, a socialist hard Brexit. Um, And uh, because, I mean, there are a lot of, like problems with the eu that are from a left-wing perspective that you could cite i mean the eu is definitely like quite a neoliberal institution in a lot of ways Mm. but it's also like less neoliberal than the institutions you would end up having to be in bed with if you leave it i.e like the americans or whoever like you're always playing by somebody's rules so you might as well play by the rules of the people who like are notionally into like not murdering people i don't know it's like kind of they seem like the best of the bunch really in terms of the big groups you want to be involved with
2: so Um, how how has that how has that worked kind of logistically for the labor party i guess with, with corbyn becoming like ascendant at the same time as this huge like brexit is like dropping like a lead balloon sort of thing where i don't know like you know i think corbyn was kind of you know I guess seen as like a symbol of hope for the for the left. You know, hey, we can actually have a, a socialist in a um, in like real a real position of having power over something, and then having to align those beliefs with um, the fact that Corbyn is so eurosceptic and um, has been behind something that that is. Um, you know, probably a very bad deal for, for England. How, how has that played out for Corbyn and for the Labour Party as a sort of Brexit unfolded?
1: So this is a very a very interesting question. I think that basically um, uh, the, uh, the Labour Party official line... Now, I don't know what, to, to what extent this is Corbyn and to what extent this is like the, the kind of Labour shadow cabinet as a whole. Their strategy on Brexit is kind of to not really say anything and let the Tories fuck it up that's sort of so they're trying to like not upset anyone by not really advancing a clear position and then in the hope that the Tories will fuck it up lose the election and then they can come in and do something different but it's not really specified exactly what it is they're gonna do um, and so they like Corbyn says things like oh we're gonna have a jobs first Brexit and stuff like that but I don't really know what that means no one really knows what that means I think um people would kind of like you to believe that like corbyn is basically going for a soft brexit because he says he also says things like oh we're going to stay in a single market and a customs union which also doesn't make sense because there's there's only what like there's the single market and the customs union it has certain rules you can either sign up to them or not but if you don't sign up to them you can't be in it so it's like a weird thing to say we're going to be like we're going to have our own version of it because you can't do that it doesn't doesn't work like that um and so therefore no one's quite sure. And like maybe that is a smart strategy, maybe like saying as little as possible and letting the Tories just like fuck themselves for a while uh, and then just sweep into power and do what you want. Maybe that is a good strategy. I don't know. Um, but some other people on the left interpret this as like Corbyn is going to go for a hard Brexit and we like it. Those are the really crazy <laughs> people. Um, Because I think, as far as I can, like, I'm not really, like, a huge, a huge politics guy. I was kind of, I was always the comedy one on Trash Future, and I've kind of, I've had to get more into the politics as time has gone on. Um, Which means I'm sometimes the one going, like, hmm, this seems a bit, okay, all right then. Um, Because one time, so, essentially, I think there are some people who... Uh, rather than being like into Corbyn's policies, they're into Corbyn. And Mm. I think that that's like that's where things get a bit dangerous. So they're kind of like, hmm, Corbyn seems to be into Brexit. Well, that means I'm into Brexit, too, because I like Corbyn rather than being like, okay, well, I agree with Corbyn on most things, but actually I still kind of think he's wrong about like a lot of people aren't comfortable saying that because I don't know, they feel like they have to like. And so this is there's a kind of vogue for like what they call Lexit now, um, which is people believing that like you can turn Britain into a socialist utopia through Brexit which I'm all in favor of turning Britain into a socialist utopia but I don't really think that leaving the EU is going to do that because it's just a massive victory for like all the right-wing forces of darkness in this country and it's going to like fuck the economy and to do socialism you do need money.
2: Um, so so there kind of is there an element of that in being like well this will obviously play out so poorly for the conservatives that nobody will ever let them form government for the next 10 years or something so we may as well just like try to be try and do all the shit that we've wanted to get like get to kind of thing
1: i mean i think there's definitely like i'm sold on to an extent on the idea that like the politics of uh letting the yeah letting the tories fuck it up saying as little as possible so as not to upset anyone get into power and then do something like if that if that is the strategy then fine as long as they really think that'll work i mean i don't see why it wouldn't work necessarily other than british politics isn't setting um i don't know how long that'll last in that like the, like like in any country, like the public are just like they will just vote for the Tories again as soon as they feel like they want more money or that like uh, you know they they've decided they don't like brown people again like that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the well, Tories even can if, fuck up a lot. And, yeah, yeah, even like we saw in in the American midterms where there was obviously a, a swing towards the Democrats, but like not anywhere near as like any kind of sane person would expect to say, what? oh, you're being ruled by a, a bunch of Absolute, uh, you know, madman um, And my, there is no way that you could could ever possibly vote For such a person as Donald Trump And here we are, again Yeah,
1: I mean, I'd like to give my absolute respect, by the way To uh, Republicans in Nevada Who, instead of voting for an actual living Democrat Still voted for a dead pimp
2: Oh, it's, uh, it's <laughs> incredible But it only sustains so you for so long Yes, yeah <laughs>
0: Um, no, it, it does well, sound it does sound like maybe um, you know Labour are uh, employing a similar strategy to the Labour Party here, um, which unfortunately is not as similar to uh, some of uh, your Labour Party as we would like.
1: But- I love the Australian Labour Party. Please tell me more about this. <laughs> Has Tony Abbott not said anything again?
0: the The Australian Labor Party, I think, is probably. I mean, they have much stronger links to trade unions, but other than that, mm-hmm. I think they are probably a lot more akin to, um, to like the Democrats in the states, okay. where where they're a bit more a bit more neoliberal, a bit more technocratic, um, still still quite beholden to corporate interests and in in the case of um in the case of australian politics i think what has been the case recently is just a whole lot of like ah the other major party is imploding so we're just going to go super small target in the lead up to this thing we're not going to advance any kind of ambitious agenda or you know really really try and lay out you know, an alternative scheme. We're not going to really try and, you know, position ourselves as an alternative government. We're just going to hang out and not say too much or do too much of anything and wait for them to totally implode and get absolutely railed in an election. And then we'll come in and try and do what we want. But I think the problem with that, as was shown by, you know, that this uh, our own Tory government that's in now, is mm-hmm. that the problem with... Not actually putting up any kind of an agenda before you get in is that when you start doing things, people go, "Hold on a minute, what the fuck's this?" Like you never actually, <laughs> you never really canvassed this idea before getting into government, and now we you would never like said th-
1: you're going to make us put the onions underneath the sausage. Yeah. <laughs> what I didn't the
0: vote fuck? For this. <laughs>
1: now, um, before
0: we run out of time, we did ask our listeners for questions for you, and oh, many. Boy. Many came in, so maybe we should try and blast through a
1: couple of those. Uh, I hope that some of them are just personal.
2: (laughs) um, No, they're just the questions for me. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) Let me see. Uh,
0: Wife of the show, Tal Waterhouse, asks, um, Who would win in an underground fight club style match between Jezza and Bernie? Clearly
3: Jezza. That's 100% Jezza, right?
1: We'll oh, I don't know I think Bernie is a lot more physically active he's always playing basketball mm. down at the YMCA <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's true Jezza like so one of my favourite things about Jezza is that like one of the dumb like media attacks on Jezza is always like yeah he calls himself a socialist but he lives in a £700,000 house like what you mean is he just lives in a house in London <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and um, mm. there's this amazing video I saw recently where someone's like hounding him outside his house as he's going into his house and they're like Jeremy Corbyn you say you're a socialist but you live in the 700000 house and his house you can see it in the video looks horrible like it genuinely (laughs) looks foul uh yeah it looks like something sort of house like like my nan's first home in the 1960s it really looks grim and um and he's also wearing like a a full tracksuit and some sort of got he looks like he's just been playing the fruit machines at weatherspoons all morning and they're trying to make him out to be this like millionaire capitalist always wearing his tracksuits. i love it uh, uh, yeah um so i mean i don't know like uh i definitely think that jeremy is more is more street than bernie but bernie possibly has the physical edge
2: well i was gonna say um because um jeremy opened for the run the jewels concert right and i'm like well bernie hasn't oh hang on so they they both have <laughs> <laughs> They've both done the run the jewels bit, um which is which is great yeah. as far as my personal taste overlaps go. Um but probably yeah. bizarre to like ninety five percent of the population.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean I guess but like the people who aren't into it just don't see it. It's that kind of a thing. Mm. It's like weird um I don't know, yeah, if you appear if you appear at the uh, at like the I don't know, the Masons or something, no one who's not in the Masons is ever gonna know.
0: Uh let's see uh friend of the show jade asks uh can you confirm that the welsh language is fake and purely an incredibly long-term practical joke being played on the english
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) i really hope that it is that would be great i think i'd really like that would be great a huge respect to the welsh the welsh people um i think the welsh the welsh language is one of the less fake languages in the uk because we also have scots gallic and cornish which are like definitely fake those are made up (laughs) Um, every road sign in Scotland has like a Scots Gaelic translation on it and I looked this up and there are literally like six people in all of Scotland who only speak Scots Gaelic and there are only like a thousand people who know it at all what and Scotland is a nation of like six million people so yeah I was gonna say and, and
0: all all the people who um all the people in Scotland who do know it are like German linguistic students uh living there you know
1: <laughs> yes, I'm very patriotic squadsman. <laughs> <laughs> Trying
0: to keep this dying language alive.
1: I, think, I don't know what the Scots Gaelic for we have ways of making you talk it. <laughs> well, uh, for next
0: episode. Uh, friend of the show, average gamer, asks uh, Can each host give their best Oi Governor impression to make the guest feel like they are talking to a bunch of regular English folk? <laughs> <laughs> Um I I just want to say I was listening to an episode of Trash Future um and I heard uh Riley who is uh, Canadian in origin is that correct
1: Yeah yeah he's a, he's a Canadian man he's, he's a person sorry he's a Canadian person He's a Canadian person
0: um and he he said the uh he said the title of the TV show Hello hello Except he said like Alo, "allo allo." <laughs> <laughs> the,
1: the classic British sitcom about cactuses. Yeah, yeah,
0: it's very funny. I've never heard a more awkward pronunciation of "allo allo." What's yeah. all this then?
1: Um, oh, I'm, I'm well, just. That's too... pretty good. <laughs>
2: I, I love nasal to look, policeman <laughs> looking at some knocks in Nuts magazine. Governor, governor, <laughs> two pence to sweep out your chimney, shoot.
1: Beautiful. Oh, that, that sounded like something you'd say on Grinder. That had a very <laughs> <laughs> Cockney Grinder.
0: Oh, uh, Lucy, do you do a British?
3: I can. only like doing like a filthy British man. Like, oh, oh, yeah. oh hello, love, you fancy a shag and a snog, <laughs> do you?
0: <laughs> I love you. That you
1: lead with in with the Fanny. Shag. With <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Show us your fanny, then, love. <laughs>
1: Oh. That, that's how that is how people talk. That's yeah. actually that's how you're how supposed talk. to address the Queen. Let's have a
0: sh- <laughs> let's have a shag, and if that goes well, we can move on to snogging.
1: Yeah, you uh, you first the first time you have to call her Her Majesty, and then every time after that you just say, "Show us your family, then, love."
3: That's the yeah, thing. that's right. This is what I know about England.
1: That's true. It's completely true. You're on the right track. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know you guys were such experts. Yeah. <laughs> here's a
0: uh, here's a question from a friend of the show who is apparently a train nerd. Um, there's plenty Trained of those around. Nerd.
2: Doesn't narrow it down. That's all our fans. <laughs>
0: no, a, ner- a nerd that's who's into in the Hillary Clinton. Unlike, unlike Lucy, who has currently been in Hawaii fucking some planes, I'm into planes, apparently. I'm
3: into planes. Okay. That's not weird. Being into planes, not weird. Oh
0: yeah. It's not nerdy at all. Don't worry.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, friend of the show, Sam asks, how come there hasn't been a full on revolt about the train system in the UK? It is insane not only that the fares fluctuate depending on when you buy the ticket, but it is a ridiculous amount of money 25 quid for an hour and a half journey from Cambridge <sighs> to central London. It's fucked what up. The it's fuck? so
3: bad. What's the deal? Oh, what it's is mental. The deal?
1: The- the UK train system. So this, this is probably going to be another boring answer. <laughs> like, basically, uh, in uh, I think in as far as the 80s, we used to have nationalized rail, but it was really bad. Like, it was so bad that when people privatized it, they were like, oh, thank God. And then the, the privatized rail was, like, slightly more efficient, but then became, like, wildly more expensive. And then has, over time, become even more expensive and even less efficient to the point where it now works, like, as badly as the nationalized rail did, but just for, like, eye-watering sums of money. Um, and no one has ever considered the fact that maybe we could have a nationalized rail system that just isn't shit um, but now this is like weirdly pop set so, so one of corbyn's policies is nationalizing the railways but that's genuinely saying that most tories would vote for well least most tory voters i don't know about tory mps but like if you spoke to like the average tory voter and were like what do you think about nationalizing the railways they'd probably be like yeah do it
2: <laughs> honestly the thought of a, of a railway being re-nationalized is like it it gives me chills. That that is like my the perfect intersection of the things that I find arousing. <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> Got a massive hard on for trains
2: and nationalisation. So
1: I know it's great, but the I
2: fact that know. something would slip out of like you would go and you would go and privatise it, and then the government would buy it back because it was so bad when it was privatised. hmm
1: well, Australia—we've well, actually already had to do that to one rail line in the UK because it was like they were running it so badly that the government were like, "Okay, give it back. <laughs> <laughs> it's not, you can't have this anymore." Australia, because there is one nationalized line.
0: We we currently have the most um, farcical version of this that it's possible to have, which is that um, okay. a lot of our a lot of our electricity generation power plants were like initially built through national funding. Um, and so there were there were like nationalised power companies, and the same for our. We we also um, had a, a nationalised telephone company and that sort of thing. So obviously, over time, as with all countries, all the conservative governments over time have like sold these things off and privatised them.
2: And occasionally, the Labor government in uh, Queensland.
0: Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like the the energy generation in this country is a whole other stupid matter. But basically, um, the, the conservative governments here have been trying so hard for so long to insist that like renewable energy is an affront to God and that we should all be burning (laughs) coal for hundreds of years more. Like we, we literally have had, um, like prime ministers in the last year or two last couple of years Saying like um ah, and coal coal will be you know an important part of our energy mix for decades to come for hundreds of years, which is all great stuff, but um yeah, but basically uh we are at a point now where like private energy companies are saying look we we are all completely desperate to just get on with this in some fashion.' we are going to start closing down these coal-fired power plants and moving on to other forms of energy because that's just the way the world's going. And now we have conservative governments saying, well, in that case, we will buy these coal-fired power plants will, off we you. We will
2: buy this one that, we're, that you were going to shut down anyway because your shareholders told you to shut down, uh, you know, the actual free market at work. Uh, and, so and that we, we can burn more coal Because we just We just fucking We love the stuff We've got to tell you It's great stuff We are, we are so stuff.
0: goddamn into ideology That we are willing to Renationalize a coal-fired power plant Just to keep burning coal To own the libs.
1: <laughs>
0: so, That's uh, brilliant Yeah it's, it's is This is
1: why Australia is my favorite country on earth Because like Your government has true vision Like there's no <laughs> It's there's galaxy no brain vision there. Exactly, like as dumb as as dumb as it is, they have like real like convictions about insane shit, and they stick to it through thick and thin. And it's like something that you really have to respect. Like the idea of like renationalizing a coal power station so you can burn coal and accelerate climate change, to just like upset people who don't like you, is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's, like, painter, it's like every dad's government. Wet dream. <laughs> people just booing and clapping. <laughs>
0: Twirling, twirling their comical moustaches. Um, we, we actually have another question here. I got a whole letter, folks. Okay. I got a whole letter, which I, I promised letter. myself that I would remember to read. Um, unless I can't find it, as is usually the case with these letters. Hey, hey, folks. Got an email from a friend of the show, Pat Malone, who says, Hello, I am a Canadian listener of the show and i have a question about australian culture Ooh.
3: a question about a australian question culture, australian culture. Mm. my I'm name respectful
0: is to them <laughs> my name is patrick malone pat for short and i've recently learned that the phrase pat malone is actually australian slang here is what i found pat malone is rhyming slang for on your own so if you are drinking with pat malone or drinking on your pat malone you are alone usually regarded as a socially unacceptable practice the term does not apply exclusively to drinking. You can go on holidays on your Pat Malone. I am wondering if any of the hosts use this phrase at all or if they are aware of its origins. Any information would be greatly appreciated as I grapple with this new information. Oh, it, God. It, I feel
3: like so many of these are just, like, from from fucking the ancient Australian times. Mm. Hold on, on a second. I mean like hold on, hold on. Ago.
0: Incidentally... It's been re-nationalized. Hold on. Incidentally, I have never had a girlfriend. All the best, Pat Malone. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thanks, Pat. Thanks for your letter.
0: Yes, I feel like um, I feel well, like. Thanks for staying p- pure, Pat. Really <laughs> thanks. <appreciate it. laughs> yeah. thanks, for conser- Thanks for conserving your essence and. Um, uh, yeah, well, I feel like um, uh, you know, rhyming slang, rhyming slang at least, um, is something that a that a, a British guest can help with.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, it's not rhyming slang. That you UK. Can- my my grandmother still talks in rhyming slang. Genuinely. Uh, to the extent, so my girlfriend's American, and she like cannot understand what my grandmother is saying, and it's a source <laughs> of endless amusement to me.
2: Mm, that's wonderful.
1: It's good. I, I'd like the idea. That, like, uh, I was sorry to hear that Pat Malone had never had never had a girlfriend, but it just made me think of saying like, "Oh, I, I met my boyfriend on holiday. You can't, you can't meet him. His name is Pat Malone. <laughs> <laughs> he goes to a different school in Canada." In Canada yeah. <laughs>
0: I do, however, have no idea as to the origins of this. Um, who knows? Who? who
3: ever knows this stuff?
1: Well, a lot of them are bizarre with rhyming slang. So like, it probably was the case that if this is genuine, that Pat Malone was like some famous person in Australia. And just cause it rhymed with alone, they made that. Cause there was like a, so the the Cockney rhyming slang for Curry is Ruby Murray because Ruby Murray was like some famous actress or something. And she has no relation to Curry whatsoever, she just sounds like Curry. Um, yeah. Oh well, here, here we go folks On one's Pat Malone
0: um, Australian rhyming slang referring to a ballad about an Irishman Called Pat Malone who suffered numerous misfortunes after emigrating to Australia
3: Wow, sucks to be Pat Malone When his coal power
1: plant was shut down by the shareholders <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: um, So that's the deal Pat That is why you are all alone or on your Pat Malone, um, mm-hmm. I, I I feel like pretty much no one does any rhyming slang in Australia no, anymore. Not ni- not I might anymore. say
3: dead horse. Yeah, that's not, right, that's not rhyming slang though. No. Yes, it is.
2: It's what's what's dead horse sauce? Sauce. Oh, yeah. You are. Maybe you've lost it.
3: Maybe maybe not for you city folk. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Bloody bougie, bougie blokes over here.
1: You live in an apartment in Melbourne. (laughs) Wait, so dead horse is sauce in the sense of like a a, a dipping sauce or like alcohol?
3: Yes, dipping sauce.
1: Okay, so if someone in Australia said to me, oh, I'm just going to dip these fries in some dead horse, I would just (laughs) take them at their word. I would be like, oh, okay, I didn't know that was a thing.
3: (laughs) All right, guess that's just the culture here.
1: (laughs) Better than live horse, I guess. (laughs) Which part of a live horse would you even dip it in? (laughs) I'm assuming dead horse would at least be some kind of paste.
3: Mm, true, well, true. It's more
0: which end of a live horse would you would you? Do
1: <laughs> yeah, you pays your money, you take your choice there.
0: <laughs> Alright, well uh we do we do have more questions, but we might
1: oh, goodness
0: we'll have to wrap it up. Alright, well well, well sorry, we we also had a question in the mailbag, separate from the letter from Pat Malone. Okay. So he's getting greedy all the way from Canada. He
1: he's serious about this. But
0: this is a this is also another British specific question. Um, mm. Pat asks, I would like to know which football league team is the least racist? Ooh,
1: that's, uh, mm, I mean, they all have such rich and storied histories of racism. Mm.
0: It's difficult to say. Um, I, I gotta say, like, bearing in mind that we live in Australia, uh, which has its own very, uh, elaborate storied history of sports racism. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like whenever I see a, whenever I see a story about like a premier league type incident of racism, it's always like, wow, it's, it's always some, some serious shit. Like, like the stuff, the stuff from Australia is usually like uh, a slur was used and the stuff from like a game of slurs. Yeah. And the, the premier league type stuff is, um, Hey, was that a was that a callback to when we were on your show?
1: Yeah, it is. <laughs> a game uh, of slurs. Okay, I just to sitting around having a game of slurs. Find yeah. a few guys around. Sit around the woodpile.
0: Yeah, the um the Australian ones are like uh a s a single person in the crowd yelled out this slur, and the like Premier League ones are like, um there was a black player on the field and all these people pelted him with a banana. So he
2: collapsed the stadium. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right, so that that is the classic one—the throwing bananas for people thing, which is both like really bad, but also somehow like incredibly like quaintly nineteen fifties and a sort of bizarre. Like, oh, wow, I thought even racists had moved past that. Hmm. Um, like, it's kind of very um, well, and then so I recently found out about the—I didn't even know about this. There's always there always used to be a lot of violence in British football. Re- aside from the racism, there was a lot of like football fans would just fight each other. Hooligans, games. hooligans, yeah. Uh, which is that is actually to do with the Irish that that's 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 a genuine Irish origin slang term because there was a family whose surname was hooligan who apparently caused no end of trouble for British soldiers and so then they huh. made that a term for yeah true um, and that even the Russians say hooligan they have that word in Russian so that's that that, that the fame of that family is spread far and wide <laughs> um, But, yeah, so uh, I can remember, like, my dad took me to, like, a Tottenham game when I was a kid, and you would have, like, mounted police there, like, keeping people apart and stuff. And then that kind of all died away. Um, But now there's, like, the weird phenomenon of, like, the racist soccer group. (laughs) Um, Soccer fans were always racist, but I don't think they were organized, like, racist (laughs) in an organized way. Like, I don't, I mean, like, I'm sure someone can correct me on this. It was Um, more just spontaneous
0: racism than... (laughs) premeditated exactly, yeah. racism. jazz
1: jazz racism yeah. improvised um and so i recently discovered jazz racism's called more the about demo- the
0: slurs that you don't say <laughs>
1: <laughs> the spaces between the slurs mm. the spaces between the thud of the bananas on turf um and uh yeah so i recently found out about this thing called the democratic football lads alliance Fuck it um, which both doesn't sound like a racist soccer group and also sounds exactly like a racist soccer group in the kind of bizarre way the world now works. Yeah, who do like they're like Tommy Robinson supporters. Um oh, yeah, uh, we bro, we just had, had a political
0: say. party in Australia get infiltrated by a whole bunch of alt right um get like uh have their local branches stacked with alt right members um by a group called the Lad Society. So we're right on board with you with the <laughs> what a racist group sounds like.
1: We live in a lad society, a guy household. <laughs> um but what what i did what i always thought was that british football racists as racist as they might be they were always racist about players on the team they didn't like so like you you wouldn't throw bananas Ooh. at players on your own team that, well, it's not very sporting right you throw them at the you know the people, players of color on the other on the other side right um but then i lived in russia for a while. <laughs> And I discovered that the fans of Zenit St. Petersburg were so racist that they would throw bananas at, like, non-white players on their own team. God even, damn. like, they had, the, they had that Brazilian player Hulk for a while, and, they, and he was, like, their best player, and they used to throw bananas. Like, he was the reason they were winning the league. But the Russian football racists are so principled in their Brendan O'Neill-like <laughs> consistency <laughs> that they will even throw bananas at people on their own team. And in a way, you've kind of got to respect it. It's the re-nationalizing a coal power station of football racism
0: so um that really doesn't answer which is the least racist team
1: no i yeah i'm not i'm not sure i mean probably one of the northern ones like it was always the southern ones i think were a bit more ra- I, I would say probably like liverpool or somewhere is probably like fairly not racist um one of the cosmopolitan sure. teams yeah i think just because yeah d- i don't know maybe i'm not sure definitely not definitely not the scottish teams you get into danger there um, they're like the Scot, the Scottish football sides like hate are racist against each other. Like Celtic and Rangers, like Celtic is Catholic and Rangers is Protestant, and for that reason, they must knife each other. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: football violence—the purest of pursuits.
1: <laughs> I know it's the whole time it's up there with trouser ferreting. <laughs> <laughs> well, on that note, I
0: think we might have to wrap it up. Um, so, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for being with us. Um, You you can, of course, find Milo on Twitter at Milo underscore Edwards, I believe.
1: You can, yeah. Thank you very much. I'm I'm impressed that you learned my Twitter handle for the purposes of this. uh,
0: I can't find out what Brexit is, but I can can find a Twitter handle. Um, You can also, of course, hear Milo on the Trash Future podcast, which you can find on iTunes and all the other jazz, and I believe they're on Twitter at Trash Future Pod. We are, yeah. Look at yeah. you, like a library of Twitter yeah. handles. <laughs> yeah. um, so check those guys out. Uh, you might also even hear an episode with me and Lucy on it.
1: Oh, yeah. That was actually a very good episode. I would yeah. recommend that one. Well, if you're, so if you're I also for recommend
3: a, it. Yeah, yeah.
1: If you want to ease yourself into Trash Future yeah. with a, with a sort of some comforting Australian input, then that's mm. a good one to go with.
0: Yep. Uh, we we have a battle of um, most ridiculous conservative talking heads.
1: Mm. I actually re-listened to that episode a while ago, and I just, it just reminded me of what a joy Australia is on a daily <laughs> basis.
0: Well, um, I think w- we were talking about um, some people from uh, the Sky News show, Outsiders, and since then, one of them has been fired for doing a rant that was too racist. <laughs> um, it was. It, oh, what did they say? It went right, right Fancy. over the line, um, right over the line from like winking racism to uh, poking somebody in the eye with with racism.
1: He was yes. racist about someone on his own team. It was um, That's not sporting.
0: It was. It was one. It was uh, host Ross Cameron doing a uh, racist rant about Disneyland. What? As, <laughs> as you can imagine. He was, um, I'll, I'll give you the quote just before we go. Um, uh, Ross Cameron said on the show, quote, if you go to the Disneyland in Shanghai on any typical morning of the week, you'll see 20,000 black haired, slanty eyed, yellow skinned Chinese desperate to get into Disneyland. He said in what was a spirited defense of China. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, fuck. Oh, I might have to move to Australia. Oh, it's so good. It's like... With friends that, like, like these, you know? He'd said a number of slurs in that sentence, and every time he was like, I'm not sure I've said enough slurs. I'll just throw another one in. Chuck here.
3: in some more.
1: That
0: was, um, he, he was... He was doing a defense of China, um, in, and so that sentence was supposed to illustrate how much um, Chinese people love Western, uh, Western culture. I don't know why all the slurs needed to be in it, but...
1: <laughs> I don't understand what what you mean. Some of my best friends are slanty-eyed yellowskins. Yeah, yeah. I don't,
0: don't really... And then, of course, all of his colleagues went on their their own um, very emotional defences of him as the least racist person that they know, who absolutely loves China. So <laughs> it
1: says a lot about their friendship groups, doesn't it, really?
0: It does. Um, so, until next time, um, please do check out Trash Future... And we'll see you guys next week. Oh, also, we have a Patreon. Everybody knows we have a Patreon. Now you know too. Five bucks a month. Get yourself another uh, episode every week. Patreon.com forward slash Punta Vista. Go and do that, please. Fantastic. Go on. on. Treat yourself.
1: Treat yourself. (sighs) yourself.
0: (sighs) (sighs) Glad I remembered that. Anyway, thanks everybody. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Cheers. Cheers, guys.
2: Bye. Bye.